My guest today is Emily Morgan, the host of another grandparenting podcast, The Grand Life. Her husband, Mike Morgan, is the podcast sound engineer. Emily shares with us how she and Mike met, how the podcast began, and how it has evolved. Now in its fifth season, The Grand Life entertains, educates, and enlightens grandparents who want to become the best grandparents they can be. Emily says the podcast explores grandparenting, the relationships within that role, and the ways in which our grandparenting impacts our children and their children. Welcome, Emily, to the Adventures with Grammy podcast. How did you get started with your podcast? Well, it started about three years ago, I think in March of 2019. So it was before coronavirus. I was still working as a secretary at an elementary school. My husband and I had taken a trip. We were in the car and we are podcast listeners. So we listen in the car to podcasts and we were, we were just saying, you know, I wonder if there's anything out there for grandparents, because I think it would be a great thing for the, us. We all need to talk with each other and connect with each other. We kind of were playing around in the car. I think my husband put on some music and we started doing like little intros and playing around with the idea. And uh, I just kind of got a little teary and I was like, oh, we should do it. We should totally do it. And uh, we've done a lot of projects together in our lives. And so this was just kind of an outgrowth of, of our interest in being grandparents. And, and there's a lot behind that in terms of where we met and where we came from in terms of broadcasting. What was your experience? We met in uh, 1981, we met, and we were uh, both working at a uh, public radio station at Western Kentucky University. And um, right before we actually worked together, I had auditioned to be, to work there and had to do an audition where you know, I think the only reason I got the job, I'm not sure it was my voice. I think it was more of, uh, I could say things like Rostropovich or something, because it was about uh, announcing for the Metropolitan Opera time um, during the middle of the day on uh, their NPR station affiliate. So anyway, we, we kind of had a blind date. Somebody put us together, so we'd be really good together. And we had a blind date and we really hit it off. Then I found out that we both were going to be working at the radio station together. So it kind of all conspired to put us together in a very quick romance. We met in the late October, maybe, yeah, middle of October. And I left to go to study abroad at Christmas time. And we were engaged by, uh, he came over to England and we were engaged by May. Oh no, March. And then we actually got married in August. So it had been, hadn't even been a year when we got married that we had even known each other. So that was a funny story. <laughs> That's really a sweet story. Yeah, it was. We had a lot of fun. We we really enjoyed doing radio together. It was just a real passion for us. And so uh, we even called our friends when we were in England. We were sitting, we were standing in a red phone booth in Piccadilly Circle, and we were um, calling our friends at NPR, talking about how much fun it was to be there and how we'd gotten engaged, and we let everybody know and. Many of those people are still in radio, so we really have enjoyed that. I don't know what you'd call it, a kind of association with radio, especially public radio. So I think that kind of has informed how we podcast because we love 
uh, public radio. We love This American Life. We love podcasts that have to do with how I built this, those kinds of things. And we, I think, you know, we, we can't be This American Life, but we try really hard to do some podcasts that are informative and educational and also entertaining, but just really help people understand whatever we're talking about. Tell me about the episode that you like the best that you've done over the years. Wow, that's that's really hard because they're like children. I mean, I love them all, and there's so many um, really important ones. I guess I would say the very first one is the evolution of grandparenting, and I really love it because it kind of thematically fits with everything that we do, and that is that grandparenting requires energy and vibrancy and intentionality, and it's not just a thing you are, but it's a thing you do, and so... I guess I love that because it introduced the whole concept. One of the other ones that I really liked was Do Grandparents Matter? I just thought that one was really, and I, yeah, I can't really tell you what season or episode that was. I think it's in season three, but it was really important. It talked a lot about the memories that we have of our grandparents, how important it is for us to listen to their stories, and then um, what kind of influence they have in terms of uh, modeling um, activism or the way they are. Um, one woman had a wonderful story about being um, one of the first uh, black, the, the, the grandmother was one of the first black women to join or was the first to join a country club in Indianapolis. And then the, there was a huge fallout from that, um, that you would hear if you listen to the podcast. I guess those two, those, those two are probably my favorite, but I mean, seriously, every time, every time I talk to somebody for a podcast, I'm just kind of blown away by their stories and their personalities and how much they love their grandchildren and all of that. So I have a lot of favorites. I definitely hear the influence of National Public Radio on your podcast. They're just beautiful. I mean, the way you introduce the podcast, the way you introduce the guests, the music, the sound effects, I have enjoyed it since the first time I listened to it. Thank you so much. I can't take, I have to do a real big shout out to my husband who produces and does all the sound design because he has such a great ear for that. And I think, he, I mean, he picks just the right music and he puts the music to um, what I'm saying. And, you know, we work together and, but very rarely do I ever have a complaint about what he's chosen or what he's doing. And he just kind of goes with it. So I do the writing and I spend all the time organizing and outlining and then doing an essay called The Stretch It Takes, which we can talk about in a minute if you want. But then he is the one that really has a vision for how it's going to sound. And yes, he is he's excellent. And he does this all um, out of the goodness of his heart. He still has a full time job. So he's doing this in the evenings and it's a, it's a big project, but it has been a good thing for us. We, you know, we have our moments when it's really hard, but most of the time it's a, it's a good thing for us to be doing together. Tell us about the stretch it takes. Yeah, that's an essay that I just thought was super important as part of the production. And I actually think a lot of people I talk to say that that is their favorite part, which is not a pat on the back for me, but just an interesting thing that they like. They've also asked for it to be transcribed so they can read it at any point in time. And sometimes I think they just get on there and don't listen to the podcast and just read the stretch it takes. It's an essay. And the reason I called it the stretch it takes is because it's basically what I call relationship yoga. 
like really stretching, really becoming agile, becoming flexible in your relationship with the people around you, especially your adult children and then your grandchildren. And I'm a huge fan of the evolution of a grandparent. And I think that a lot of times in my own personal life and how it's been sometimes challenging to stretch and to change and to evolve into what I want to be. And so I've been pretty forthright. I've uh, talked a lot about my background. I've talked a lot about my I try to make it about myself and not about my children because I want to um, honor their privacy. But I do talk a lot about myself and also my parents who are both still alive. So I'm, I, I try to be gracious to them as well, although honest about things that have happened in my life. What do your parents and children think about the podcast? Do they listen? Interestingly enough, my I have four we have four children and um, I would say maybe half of them listen to it on a regular basis. And if there's one specific one that I mentioned to them that they might want to listen to, they, they will tune in. But most of the time, they, half of them, one of them especially listens every week faithfully. And in fact, I count on her because sometimes she'll catch something and say, oh, you got to fix that. So she's great. And a part of that is that she commutes. And so she has time in the car to listen to that. Others have jobs that are in their homes with their children around and they don't have as much time. Or maybe they don't really want to hear all of that. My parents are both turning 90 in a few months, and they find it very difficult to use the technology it requires, even though it's pretty simple. And all your listeners will know, all you have to do is, you know, you can even ask your, I don't want to say her name because she's right here. And if I say A-L-E-X-A, they'll she'll start responding. But <laughs> you can just ask and say, play the grand life and it will play it. So um, they have access to it. My mom has a little bit of trouble with hearing. My dad does too. So I think it's just, they don't listen to it. But strangely enough, several of my aunts and uncles listen to it. My cousins listen to it. And they usually, they often respond mostly positively. I really, they haven't said anything negative. So if they feel that way, they just don't say it. I was wondering if it was ever a topic of conversation at get-togethers. Yes, totally. It is. I, I was out in Denver. Uh, we, we live in Indianapolis. I was out in Denver and I was uh, with a cousin, two cousins uh, at different occasions, and both of them listened to it and wanted to talk about it in terms of how they felt like their take on the way it looked to them, their life and their childhood and their grandparents, our grandparents collectively. Um, yes. And then we have a family dinner once a week here at our house with 11 of us. Um, the other uh, kids live, one lives in near um, Williamsburg and the other one lives in Denver. So we don't see them every week, but we do talk together. We talk about it at the table. We talk about it when we get together for Thanksgiving. In fact, I'm sitting here looking at this huge menu I have for 20 of us who are getting together at Thanksgiving for four days. And that's a lot of food and I do most of it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I have to go shopping after this and buy all these things so I can make all these things. But it's very fun. And I'm sure it will come up during the conversations that we have. My children don't listen to the podcast at all. I have on occasion said, I think you really should listen to this one. And so once in a while they will, but generally they don't. And the really the only comments I get about my podcast are from my older grandchildren who, when I say older, I mean, they're eight and nine. They just get a kick out of hearing my voice and they'll say, oh, are you on the radio? And then I explain <laughs> what a podcast is. So they're mm -hmm. fascinated by the technology. 
and a couple of them have been here when I've recorded the, you know, put it together. And I've had them say something on the podcast and they were excited to do that. So that's been fun. We used all of our children, grandchildren to do the ending of our podcast, but we actually nixed that this time. So the fifth season, they're not on it, partly because of the length of, I don't know how many people stay till the end when they're listening to the podcast and partly because they're, it's getting harder to get them to actually record it. So um, as they get older, but they love to listen to the old ones where they would do the ending credits. I remember hearing those and thinking how sweet it was that the one child, just the voice was just so endearing. Tell me about your grandchildren. You now have 10. We have 10 grandchildren ranging in age from two and a half months all the way to 10 years. So in the last 10 years, we've had 10 grandchildren. So it has been a busy, busy, productive time. Um, and we love, I mean, it's just constant. It's, you know, they're there and they they just keep coming. So um, I imagine we'll have a few more, um, but not, not a lot more, certainly not double or anything, but we'll have a few more. And I, I just, I'm trying to think if I even imagined when we had four children, I think maybe lying in bed, sometimes the two of us would talk about, wow, we could end up with, you know, 12 grandchildren if all of them had three kids or whatever. Um, so, you know, you kind of in the abstract think about it, but when, when it's real, it's just unbelievable. And I just relish the time I get to spend with them and talk with them and get to know them as people. And they're all so different. You know, people say, do you have favorites? And I think, well, I have a favorite at the moment when I'm, when I'm talking to them because they're so endearing, but I, I don't know. They're all, they're all kind of their own little personalities and, uh, it's fun to watch and fun not to be completely responsible for them and just let them let them kind of flourish and watch it all happen. Yes, you can send them home at some time. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> One of the comments that you've made is that grandparenting is better than parenting. And I've heard lots of grandparents say things such as, if I had known being a grandparent was so much fun, I would have done that first. So there's obviously a real sentiment to grandparenting, probably because you can send them home at some point. But tell me things that your that your podcast guests have said in that same kind of of thought process. Like why is grandparenting so much easier and so much more fun than parenting? Well, you know, I just had on um a couple a few weeks ago, I had on um Paul Boynton who has a Facebook um following um, of, of a group called Begin With Yes. And he wrote a book called Begin With Yes. And I think it's a way easier thing when you have grandchildren to begin with yes. That is always feel like you're just kind of like in it, you're right in it with them and you're positive. And it doesn't always mean saying yes. It just also just means kind of participating and being embracing what the child is, who the child is, what the child wants, that kind of thing. It's a, it's a whole different thing when you're a parent because you can't always begin with yes or you feel like you can't begin with yes because there are ramifications. So I think that's most of it, but I do want to say and just put a little caveat out here. You know, sometimes the feedback I get about the grand life is it's too positive. There's too much like makes people feel bad because they don't take solo vacations with their grandchildren or they don't always feel um, particularly excited about having their grandchildren come over. And I think, I, I think I need to recognize, and I try 
to recognize that grandparenting is sometimes a toil. It's work. It's not always fun. It's Sometimes it's hard and you have to put up boundaries with your adult children. Sometimes you're exhausted. One of the things that I'm going to talk about a little bit over the Thanksgiving podcast is how uh, I get frustrated because I love to cook. Cooking is what I how I love a person. And that's one way that I love a person. And so when my grandchildren turn their noses up at food I make for them, I get a little testy. I get a little like, whoa, what is wrong? Do we, do you really need another quesadilla with cheese? I mean, I just (laughs) made you this really amazing and they don't want it. Grandparenting is the best thing ever, but it's not always the best thing ever. And I, I just need to acknowledge that because I think The reality is, and we call it the grand life, but grand means expansive. And so it hits everything and it doesn't always, it's not always happy. All all that said, I do think, you know, just like parenting isn't always happy, but I do think grandparenting, the the kind of percentage of happy (laughs) kind of goes up with grandparenting. And as you said, if you're not happy or whatever, you put up a boundary, you say you can't watch them on Tuesday or you can't do that or this and you know, then, and then you uh, live with that boundary. And hopefully your adult children understand that as well. I did an episode about grandparents raising grandchildren. And this particular episode focused on children who were addicted to drugs that resulted in the grandparents raising the grandchildren. And that certainly is Mm -hmm. a challenge. When I was teaching, I several of my students were being raised by their grandparents and talking with the parent, the grandparents at, at meetings, you know, I, I heard that. And I, I just remembered thinking, uh, you know, I can't even imagine what it's like to be 75, 80 years old and raising a 15 year old and some of the challenges that, that they experienced. And then, you know, talking to this one grandmother who was raising a baby. Well, at the time she was a toddler, but I know when I'm with my grandchildren, you talk about exhausting, it can be exhausting. And to be, to think that your parenting life is over and then have such a major issue with your family and then find yourself raising these little ones again, my heart goes out to these families. Yeah, they're heroes. They really are to do that. And uh, I have all the uh, sympathy and empathy in the world for them. I can't imagine. In addition to writing the scripts for your podcast, you are a writer in other disciplines as well. Tell us about that. Yeah, I am. So I started out in the 90, early 90s writing um, children's books. I have several books under a pen name called The Cuddlers, which is put out by La Leche League. And, and that was kind of the beginning of my writing for children's books. Before that, I was like a technical writer and I did some writing, you know, as a career, but then they put that book out, they published that book. And then I got a contract to pub- to get a book through six books published about um, two little girls, Hope and Annie, who basically travel with their father, who's a consultant and he's all over the world. And they, they're kind of like homeschooled because this is, this is way back in the nineties before homeschooling was really a huge thing. Um, and they learn all about the countries and all of that kind of stuff. And they have adventures. And so there were six of those that were published by Bethany House Publishers, which was at the time, and they don't exist anymore, but they, or they exist under a different name. But at the time, um, I was writing as a, 
uh, it was a Christian publication. So uh, those were Christian books. And I have to say that I went through kind of a uh, evolution in my faith. And that is not to say that I'm not, uh, that I don't have a faith, but it's just a very different faith than one that was represented in those books. Fortunately, those are all under a pen name. So I don't have them as Emily Morgan. I have them as Stacy Toll Morgan or Stacy Morgan. And that, I think that separation, of, and I literally got, had my name changed to Emily um, so that I could write more freely about the, the way that I feel now. And it's not that I don't like those books, but they're different. They represent a different person. <laughs> so, and, and what happened in terms of my changing my name was that um, some of it was that I did a blog for a year called 52 Ways to Worship. And we, my husband and I traveled around and wherever we were, we would go to a faith group and I would write about my experience as a visitor to another kind of faith group. So we hit everything. We hit temples, mosques, um, all sorts of weird, some, some weird places, some really traditional places. And um, during that time, I did have a, a kind of epiphany about what I really, how I wanted to um, see my faith develop. And so I changed my name and uh, that's something that kind of happened as a result of that. And also that I had always wanted to be called Emily. And when I was little, I would mention that to my parents and my mom and she would say, oh, you can do that when you grow up. Well, I finally decided to <laughs> in my fifties. So I was a little late to the party, but anyway, I did that. And now, um, of course I write for the, I write for this and I, I originally called it never enough Sundays, but then of course some, some faith groups don't have worship on Sunday. So I had to change it to 52 ways to worship and Patheos Press, P-A-T-H-E-O-S, Patheos Press picked it up and then we sold it to Amazon. They sold it to Amazon and Amazon um, has it. I think it's still available actually. It's been quite a long time, but um, still available as an ebook. And then, um, and then now I've been doing this and I also write for Grand Magazine, which is a wonderful magazine. And I always try to tout it on my podcast because it's free. You don't have to pay anything for the subscription. It's only four times a year, but she also emails you inf interesting information, breaks it down and kind of puts simple articles on for email. So it's great. I mean, I, it's very slick. It's very beautiful. They in interview really big names and then um, also have book reviews, which I do for HarperCollins. So I've been doing that as well. And I really love doing that. It's really fun for me to introduce people to children's books that are really fun and new. Well, that's exciting. I subscribe to the to the Grand Magazine, and I, I love the articles. Yeah, they're really great. I mean, they, I think the writing is strong, and it's not too much. It's, you know, just enough. I think sometimes, you know, our generation gets frustrated with having to look at it on the computer and not be able to hold it. But um, I think once you get used to it and you see how the arrows work and you just push the arrow and it flips the page as if you're flipping the page, it's not too off-putting. I think it just takes a little time. And it is easier, I have to say, on a computer, a desktop, than it is to do on your phone. It's uh, On your phone, it's a little bit hard. Definitely. I like looking at it on my computer screen as opposed to reading it on my phone. Tell me more about your podcast and your working relationship with your husband. How do you all strategize about what you are going to cover or who you're going to interview? Well, 
I think I frustrate my husband a lot because I am a person who thinks a lot about what I'm going to do before I actually write it down. So he has to be patient and know that it's going to happen. And I think after five seasons, he's figured this out, but um, he knows it'll happen. But it's it's not that I'm procrastinating. I often get it done early, but I just am always cogitating, always thinking through, and, and I'm always looking at um, different topics. And I have to say, you know, at first when I told people that I was going to do a podcast about grandparenting, they were like, oh, okay, well, you're going to have like five podcasts and then it'll be done. And that is ageism, I think, because people don't realize there's a lot of issues for grandparents, a lot of things we think about, a lot of things we need to talk about. Um, so, you know, we're in our fifth season. We do 24 episodes. I've I've still got plenty of things that I want to talk about with people and could go back and talk about them again if I wanted to because there's so many other things. I think um, one of the things we had to learn was that we are not this American life and we cannot do everything they do with two people. I went to see Ira Glass, who's the host of This American Life. I went to see him and he talked about the first few years of it and how it was exhausting. And they had a staff and they, you know, one of the things that and you probably recognize this too, Carolyn, is, you know, it's hard. You have to find guests. For the first few seasons, we were doing three, sometimes four guests each time. And for, to find all those guests was pretty grueling. And although I love talking to all of them, it also made it hard for Mike to um, put all those together and to edit that. And so I took a podcast class over the summer and one of the things they talked about was, you know, make it so that you streamline it. And so I'm hoping that when people listen to the podcast now, they, they do, I'm sure, recognize a change. It's more conversational. It's more like what typical podcasts are, but it still has some good sound design and stuff. And so we have had to simplify it together because our lives are busy. And, you know, I don't have a job right now, but I'd like to get a job. And so I think we're just going to have to keep it this way. So we, you know... We stretch it out a little more. We talk to one guest at a time. And then we're, we've started with this chatting thing that we do, uh, kind of a confab where we talk together about the episode, the previous episode. And the numbers seem to bear out that people like it, that they are enjoying it. And so I've kind of invited Mike into the podcast world. And you, there's a beautiful radio voice. Um, which I fell in love with from the start. So to have him involved is has been really nice. And I think it is nice to have a male perspective as well. So that's kind of how we collaborate. We uh, talk through, I tell him, you know, I, I put it on our uh, Google Drive and, and I'll show him what we're going to do. And then we talk a, a little bit about it. It's definitely very much part of our daily life. We talk about the podcast every day. <laughs> he does do some editing of my things, which is great. He's a really great editor. Um, so, you know, we've kind of developed a rhythm and we manage okay. That there are times, like I said, where I don't feel like recording or I want to wait and he wants to do it. And, you know, we have to take that into consideration, but it's nothing like, it's just like anything else in marriage. You have to, you know, you have to work with each other and compromise and collaborate and all that stuff. So it's all good. You make it sound effortless the final product is just spectacular and I <laughs> struggle with my own podcast because one Thank I have you. no clue <laughs> as to what I was doing when I first started this and just kind <laughs> of you know went by the seat of my pants I had been listening to podcasts for years and what really got me going was there was one or there is one particular 
author who has a podcast and I've learned so much about writing and publishing from her. And I actually contacted her and told her what I was thinking. And she encouraged me to do it and gave me some advice, which I followed and have enjoyed. But it is, like you said, it's really time consuming and grueling to find people who you think your audience will resonate with and then to interview them and to edit it down. And when you're doing all of that and learning how to put a podcast together, how to use the editing software, it's, it's, it is a bit overwhelming. I feel I have learned so much from that first episode and I, I had to stop comparing myself to your podcast because I'm like, there are two of you. And when I found out about your husband's background, I thought, ah, I just can't do that anymore. Yeah. No, you shouldn't compare. I mean, he's been (laughs) doing podcasting. He did podcasts for um, a large business firm and he's, he's just really good at it, you know, and, and I wouldn't be able to, if something happened to him, the podcast would be done. There's no, there's no way I would keep going because I completely depend on his help. So, um, you know, that's, and and I don't know how long that is going to happen, but I, I admire you for taking that on. I, I would never take it on without the help of Mike. So I'm really, I just think it's great that you're doing it. And, you know, as podcasters and especially grandparent podcasters, there's not that many of us, um, we kind of have to stick together. And um, I would, I, I, when we talked, I was like, let's get together and maybe I can swap with you and you can be on my podcast. I can be in yours. That That's the kind of thing we need to do because, um, you know, there's, like I said, there's only a few of us and uh, I'm sure it will continue to grow. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be a lot more as we go. <laughs> when I told a few friends in my, my family that you were going to be a guest on my podcast and they were alarmed. They thought that it wasn't going to be a good thing. And I said, no, I mean, there, I said, our, and I I truly mean this. I think even though we have the same topic, the flavor of our podcast differ. And like you said, there are so many issues and grandparenting in itself is such a large topic to think that you could only do five episodes about grandparenting is really not being aware of the 21st century grandparent. So I, I am excited that you and I finally have met and that we're doing this. I think it's just fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. I, I um, have some other podcasts, grandparent podcasters that I think would be fun to talk to too. Um, you know, it's, it's just a, you just kind of have to stick together and we have similar uh, viewpoints on grandparenting. And that's the thing. I mean, there are a lot of grandparents who still have that old fashioned view that they just sit there and, you know, kind of fawn over the grandchildren, but really aren't involved. And I have to say, that's the model I had. And it is hard sometimes. Sometimes I do just want to sit there. <laughs> don't want to get down on my hands and knees and play with Legos. But, you know, you have to, you, you have to stretch. That, that's the stretch. That's the flexibility. That's the learning and growing that I was talking, that I've been talking about. My mother was very hands-on with my children when they were little. Unfortunately, my mother-in-law had died before the children were born, but my mom just was a great example of how to be a grandparent. You know, the kids, they didn't stay over their house very often, 
but they did occasionally, but it was during the day that mom really interacted with the kids. And when my oldest child was a baby, we lived literally down the road from them. And it was nothing to see her out in the garden and my son out there picking weeds right beside her or sitting on the tractor while she did, you know, something. And so it was, it was just really fun to watch my mom and to watch the children and the relationship they have now with them as adults. And, you know, they speak fondly of their grandmother. So it's, it was really, it was a good role model for me. Both of my grandmothers died when I was young. So I didn't have, I didn't have that experience. Yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, there are um, a lot of long distance grandparents and I know they kind of mourn the idea that they don't get to be with their kids, grandkids much. Um, that's a whole different relationship. I mean, you can develop it and you have to be very intentional about it. You know, I have a, a friend who kind of shows up on the podcast occasionally. Her name's Carrie, Dr. Carrie Byrne, and she talks about long distance grandparenting. And I think it's, you know, it is its own, it's its own beast, you know, and you have to figure out how to do it. And thank goodness we have FaceTime and, you know, uh, all sorts of things, all sorts of technology to help us connect with our grandchildren who who live in different countries or live far away, whatever. Um, that's a challenge in and of itself, but the, the ones that live down the street and we have five of them, um, they're, it's just fun. It's just really, really fun because you get to be with them. You know, I'll take one on at a time and we'll, we'll walk down to the coffee shop together. I had a little, I have a little chat with my four year old granddaughter just recently. And we just kind of walked down together to a coffee shop and I got her some hot chocolate and she chatted away and sang me songs and talked and talked. And I just relish that because I mean, how lucky am I to get to do that? <laughs> I do envy you. I live about three hours away from my grandchildren and it is, I have to be intentional about seeing them. In wrapping up, Emily, tell people how they can find your podcast. And also if you have any words of wisdom you would like to share with the listeners. Ooh, I don't know about the wisdom, but I, I can tell you that it, we are on every platform you can imagine. So <clears throat> if you Google the Grand Life podcast, it will come up. But there's also, you know, a typical, you can get on it through my Facebook page, the Grand Life podcast, and you can get on it through Instagram, or at least you'll see a connection um, <clears throat> on Instagram, and it's called Grand Life Connection. That's the Instagram page, Grand Life Connection, all one word. And then um, you can also just go to, um, it's a, a service called Omni, O-M-N-Y dot F-M and uh, slash shows slash the grand life. So you, those are all ways that you can find me, but <clears throat> we're pretty, pretty prevalent up there. So I think you should be able to find us pretty easily. If I were to give any words of wisdom, I would say, you know, kind of, this is a both and kind of thing. So be easy on yourself. Don't push yourself too hard and realize and think that you have to do everything and be intentional. So both be easy on yourself and push yourself enough so that things are happening, that you're not just take a step, take a small step, whatever it is to be the kind of grandparent you want to be. And of course you have to have some kind of vision for that. So develop a vision for how you want to be known and thought of and think big picture because you won't always be here. And they will have memories and they will want to 
talk about you and how are they going to do that? What are they going to say about you? It's not a matter of being a people pleaser. It's a matter of being authentic to yourself. And I have to say, you know, sometimes when my husband, my husband does a lot of things with the kids, like shoots rockets off and she works with them, takes them to the pond fishing. He likes to do those kinds of things. I like to cook and a lot of times the kids are so little cooking is kind of a disaster, but I try to, I like to help them with their crafts, but I'm not a crafty person. So sometimes I look at my husband, and I think, oh, they're going to have a lot better memories of him than of me. But I think you just have to be authentic to yourself. They know that I love to read. They know that I love books. Um, so I read to them a lot. I talk with them a lot. I'm very relational. So I'm very much like wanting to have conversations with them, which makes me look forward to when they're older. Cause I think, wow, we'll, we'll just have some amazing conversations as they get older. Um, so I think you just have to do that. You have to do both. And you have to give yourself grace and then you have to push yourself a little bit to be intentional about who you are as a grandparent. That is great advice. Emily, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I've really enjoyed our conversation. You're welcome, Carolyn. Thank you so much for inviting me. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode of the Adventures with Grammy podcast. You will find the links to our guests and the topics we discussed in this episode's show notes. If you would like to be a guest or if you know someone who would be an awesome guest, please connect with me at carolyn at adventureswithgrammy.com.